Welcome to the Coast Life Church Podcast. For more videos, messages, and content, be sure to subscribe to our channels on Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube for a great way to stay connected throughout the week. Tune in as Pastor Jason brings this week's message from our series, Optics. What you see and studying, we call it the study of sight and light, talking about vision and talking about what you see. It comes from Matthew chapter 6. The Bible says this, the eye is the lamp of the body. These are the words of Jesus Christ. So if your eye is healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. Your whole body, your whole world, your your mind, your body, your soul, your emotions will go dark. If If then the light in you is darkness, how great is the darkness? And last week we began with talking about your worldview. How, the lens through which you see the world. And we can't always change what we see, but we can change how we see it. We can, we can see it differently. And I want to talk today uh, on how to fix your focus. I want, to, I want to help us fix our focus. Because you may not be able, you can change your perspective instantly. Like you can leave this place thinking differently, seeing differently. But you can't always change what you see instantly. But I do believe that you can change what you're seeing in your life. If we just simply fix our focus. And there's, a, there's an old Swedish proverb that says, uh, good looks don't last, but good cooking does. And basically, it just is saying that what you're focused on in one season may not be what you're focused on in another season. And uh, a few years ago, I was, I was playing video games with my son. I have a little boy. He loves to play video games. I love to spend time with him, so I play video games. And I was frustrated for a couple of reasons. One is I realized that video games have officially gone beyond me. Uh, I have no idea what's going on. I'm perpetually lost, and it's hopeless. And my son is getting frustrated with me because I don't know what's going on. And then the other thing was I, I was complaining about our TV in our house. I'm like, like it's dark. I can't see what's happening. I don't know what's going on. Fast forward, I keep complaining, and my wife uh, convinces me to go to an eye doctor. And basically, anytime that I go to a doctor, it's because my wife made me go. If I wasn't married, I would never see a physician in my life. And I go to the eye doctor. She puts the machine over my eyes, go through the whole test, and she goes, I want to show you something. This is what it looks like without glasses. And I'm like, okay, that seems familiar. And then she said, I want to show you what it would look like if you had glasses. And she did this lens, and then all of a sudden, that was the moment I realized we didn't need a new TV. Like, <laughs> you just saved me hundreds of dollars. I, I didn't, it, it was my eyes were the problem. And sometimes we think we need to see something new. But how many of you know sometimes we just need to fix what we're seeing with? And some of us have come in and we, we're thinking the world is the problem or God is the problem or something else is, is the problem, but it, it wasn't the problem. I just needed to fix how I was seeing because the problem was coming from me. It was coming from inside of me and I just needed some help fixing my vision. And if you've ever gone to a vision test, they, they, they take you through this process. They're trying to determine some things about your, about your eyes. They start asking you this question, and, and you guys who wear glasses, you'll know this question. They start asking you, one or two? One or two? 
And it starts out blurry and clear, and then by the end of it, how many of you are just picking a number? Like, I, like, I don't know. Two? I don't, I don't know what we're doing right now. Thankfully, there's only two options. And I, I, I sort of want to give us like a spiritual eye exam today. And I want to, I want to ask one or two. One or two. Because Jesus said you either have a good eye or you have a bad eye. Um, you, either have a, you either have a healthy vision or you have a, an unhealthy vision. And then here's, here's, the real, here's the real vision test. Is it's are you, seeing, are you seeing life through the lens of heaven? Or are you seeing life through the, ends, through the lens of earth? One or two? Which, which one are you seeing the world through? Because the reality is, is there's all different types of things that you can focus on. Even when you read the Bible, how many of you know that when you read the Bible that there's passages in the Bible that contain warnings? Warnings. And then how many of you know there's Bible passages that also contain promises? That the promises of God are in there. There's, there's verses and scriptures about laws and regulations. There's also verses and scriptures about God's grace. There's verses and passages that, that are really harsh. Harsh passages. If you want to get disturbed, go and read some of the Psalms where the psalmist is wishing vengeance on his enemies and wishing vengeance on their, their entire household. There, there's verses in the Bible that are harsh, but how many of you know there's also verses in the Bible that are just full of hope? Full of hope. And there's verses in the Bible about punishment, but there's also verses in the Bible about reward. I don't know if you know this or not, but in the Bible there's an Old Testament did, did that sneak up on anybody? And then there's also a, I thought somebody would get there, a New Testament. A New Testament, Old Testament, New Testament. And what's incredible, I don't know if you know this or not, but when you're reading the Bible, the Bible is actually reading you. Because it's, it's a powerful living word that divides asunder the soul and the spirit it's reading us and it's amazing even sometimes as Christians how we can look at the word of God and some people read the Bible and all they come away with is the punishment the law uh, the warnings they come away with harshness they come away with the Old Testament and one of the reasons that I believe our church is what I would call life-giving is because when we look at the word of God we see grace we see the promises we see the reward we see the hope that is in Jesus Christ we see the New Testament and the better promises that the book of Hebrews tells us that there's better things and you're like well you're just ignoring all of the other passages no we don't ignore those we see those we just see them through the light of the hope that is in Jesus Christ because we know that God has called us to better things that's incredible you can even read the Bible and if you read it from just an earthly perspective you walk away with darkness and that, uh, years ago, we, we, we had our first stage design at Coast Life Church. I'll never forget it. Uh, it, it was, at that time, it was the greatest thing ever. Um, we bought some lights from a website called CheapLights.com. <laughs> that is literally the name of it, CheapLights.com. And they, they, were, they worked when they wanted to. And uh, we, we went to Ikea, and we bought, because we, when we were in the early days of our church, we were the first church of Ikea. We would go to Ikea and just buy whatever we could afford, which wasn't much, to decorate. And so we bought these, these paper lanterns. These, they were like little globes. And we made a design out of them and put them on our stage. 
uh, sort of like we have these cool lights now, but they were, they were a design, and we put the cheap lights on them, and we would turn them colors. And up until that point, it was the greatest thing I'd ever seen in my life. Like, it was like, this is, is so inspiring. And one weekend, we were having multiple services, and a guy came to me after, after one of the services and told me that his teenage children had been attending our church, and he was there to examine us as to whether or not he should allow his children to attend our church. And instantly, I could feel that this may not be the most life-giving conversation that I'd had in my life, that this might be antagonistic. And so I'm sensing this, and I know he's got some questions, so I'm like, let's go, let's do this. And he goes, I got a question for you. Ready, check, let's go. He goes, why 13? And I was like, what? (laughs) And he's like, there's 13 lanterns on each side of the stage. And I said, what? (laughs) And I was like, no, it's a cool design. Do you see the design? It's so cool. We put the lights on it. It's amazing. And he's no, no, there's 13, the number 13. And he starts going in. And I know that people think the numbers 13 is unlucky, but he had a, actually had a spiritual context to it uh, of some negative thing about the number 13. And I was just like, it was incredible because here's, here's the reality. You ready for this? For over 20 minutes, we had sang songs that lifted up and glorified the name of Jesus Christ. For over an hour, a lot of people had gathered under one name, Jesus, and had gathered to encourage and love and give handshakes and hugs and equip and encourage one another into good works. For over 30 minutes, there had been a message preached from God's word that there had been prayer. And at the end of it, all he had walked away with was the number 13. Because what you're focused on isn't a reflection of what's on the wall. What you're focused on is a reflection of what's going on in your heart and in your soul. And he was, fe- he was full of fear and superstition. And so even in the midst of all of worship and, me- and message and preaching, the only thing that was focusing is zeroing in on was the number 13. And so I just responded with this. I'm like, 13, but then there's another 13, and that's 26. And do you know what the number 26 means? I have no idea. I was just focused on worshiping Jesus and getting into the word of God for some encouragement. But it's incredible. It's incredible because what we focus on isn't necessarily about what's out there. What we're focused on is a reflection of what's in here. There's a a projector straight over my head projecting an image on a screen. What's on the screen is just a reflection of what's on the inside of the projector. And sometimes what we're focused on isn't necessarily what we're seeing. What we're focused on is a reflection. It's a projection of what's going on in our soul. The things that our eyes are drawn to, the things that, that we, we get attracted to. And, and when you're looking at your life, do you, do you look at the world and do you see the right things? Because you can see. You ready for this? You can see heaven or you can see earth. One or two. One or two. And the problem of humanity is that our eyes have gone dark. And I want, I want to show you this. The way that we see the world, it's gone dark. Genesis says it this way in verses 3. This is when it happened in the garden. The Bible says in verse 6, So when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, and that it was a delight to the eyes, and that the tree was to be desired to make one wise, 
She took of its fruit and ate, and she also gave some to her husband who was with her, and he ate it. Then the eyes of both were opened, and they knew that they were naked, and they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves loincloths. And they heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day, and the man and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord, of the Lord God among the trees of the garden. Adam and Eve bit into the deception. We talked about it last week. The enemy comes and gives you something that you can see. And because it looked good and because it was pleasing to the eyes, they took it. And then the Bible uses this phrase, and it sounds like such a positive phrase, doesn't it? It says, and their eyes were opened. You think, man, that's, incre- that's a great phrase. Their eyes were open. No, it was problematic because their eyes were open to the things of the world, but they were closed to the things of God. That God never, they, they were seeing things that God never intended for them to see. And they were, they were closed to the things that God wanted them to see. And you see it in their behavior. As soon as this is done, the Bible says that they realized their own nakedness. We think they saw each other's nakedness. They were already married, y'all. That's the best part of marriage. They, they had already seen that. It wasn't they saw each other. They saw themselves. They saw shame. They saw guilt. And then they, they, they felt shame, and then they hide from God. Like, he just created them. Isn't that incredible? He just made you, and now you're hiding from him. Now you're frightened of him because their worldview was instantly changed. In that moment, they they became spiritually blind. It, It opened their eyes to earth, and it closed their eyes to heaven, they became aware of their own nakedness. They covered and hid themselves from God. And, and it's crazy, but they hid themselves from the one that created them because their worldview became completely changed because what was revealed was, in, in a larger context, what was revealed was the sickness, the pain, the poverty, the heartache, the shame, the guilt, the remorse, the sin. All of that stuff became revealed in our world. And then all of the things of God became concealed. The healing, the hope, the, the, the goodness of God, all of it became concealed. And that's the world that we live in today, and that's the state that humanity is born into. We're born spiritually blind. All we can see are the things of the world, and we don't see the things of heaven. But Proverbs 25 and 2 says this, it's the glory of God to conceal things, but it's the glory of kings to search it out. And I believe today that I'm talking to people who are called to be kings and queens in in God's royal family who aren't called to live life ordinary and common and just see the things that earth hands us, but it's the glory of God's people to go and search out the things that God has hidden and believe that healing is still here, that hope is still here, that God's goodness is still here. I may not see it through an earthly lens, but from the eyes of heaven, I can see that the goodness of God is still in this world, that God's goodness is still here. And it's the incredible thing about Jesus Christ because when Jesus came, the Bible says, they that sat in darkness saw a great light. Paul said it this way. He said, in Christ are hidden all of the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. That it's hidden in Christ. It's it's just the glory of kings. It's, It's the call of God for you and I to fix our focus and not focus on what's wrong with the world. It's to focus on what's right with Jesus to see what Christ brought into this world. And Paul, Paul said it this way in 1 Corinthians 2 and 9. He said, What no eye has seen, nor ear heard, nor the heart of man imagined, what God has prepared for those who love him. 
No eye has seen, no ear has heard. It's not entered into the heart, the mind of man, the things that God has in store for him. And I quote this verse a lot uh, without context. And, and, and when people read this, a lot of times they give it, they, they misapply the verse and they, they say it's talking about heaven. And Paul is absolutely writing nothing about heaven at this point. He's writing about here and now. That God has plans for you here and now. And no eye has seen it. No ear has heard it. It's not entered into the mind of man the things that God has imagined. Uh, the, uh, the things that God has planned. So how do we receive it? He answers that in verse 14. He says the natural person does not accept the things of the spirit of God. That the natural person doesn't accept the things of the spirit of God. For they are folly to him. And he is not able to understand them. Because, watch this, they are spiritually discerned. The, the natural man can't receive the things of God. That in our natural condition, not born again, not looking through the eyes of heaven, we can't see the things that God has planned for us. All we see is the brokenness of the world. All we see is the pain of the world. And Adam and Eve closed our eyes spiritually. Jesus came to open back our eyes so that we could see the things of God, to see what it is that God has planned. And Paul said the natural man, and when you read that in the Greek, it just means a materialistic person, that we're living in a materialistic world, and you are a materialistic girl. And this is, this is just the reality of the world, is that we're materialistic. In other words, we base our beliefs and our thoughts just on what we can see, what we can touch, what we can taste, the things that are right in front of us. But Paul said, God has some things stored up for you, that God has some plans for you that you can't just see with your natural eye in a materialistic world because it goes beyond just the natural things, but it's the power of God coming into your life to bring illumination to what God's plans are for your life because God works from the outside God works from the inside out. That he has to do something in you. Because what you see and what you don't see are both determined by what's going on in your world spiritually. That there's some things you're seeing. Maybe it's because you're, maybe it's because you're struggling spiritually. There's some things being illuminated that God doesn't want your eyes to see. But maybe there's some things you're not seeing. And if God were to do a work in your heart, you could see something you've never seen before. That God could begin to, begin, begin to bring illumination into some things in your life. And here's, here's what I'm learning in my life. That if I want to see something different out there, I've got to change what I'm entertaining in here. Now, I've got to change the picture of what I'm seeing in here. I, I learned this a long time ago. That if I wanted to see our church move forward, I needed to move forward in my personal life. I needed to take some ground spiritually in my heart. I, I needed to get over some things that were holding me back in my heart. Heidi and I learned this together, that one of the greatest things that we could ever do, and I promise you, I've lived this for nine years, that one of the greatest things we could ever do is just get better in love and have a healthier marriage and begin to fix things between us. And, and the better that we get, it's incredible how the scenery of our life changes. And some of you are trying to work from the outside in. You're trying to get more money. You're trying to get a bigger house. You're trying to get some more stuff and you think if you get more stuff out there, it will make you happy in here. And that's not the way it works. We even do it religiously. And we think if I get more laws, if I get more strict, if I get more rules, if I get more regulations, that it'll make me a better person. And that is not the way the gospel works. And that's not the way God works. God works from the inside out. And I promise you that there's something that God could do in your heart and in your life today that would begin to clean up the landscape 
landscape of your life. And some of you are seeing the same things over and over and over and over again. Does anybody remember rerun season back in the day? Kids today will never remember rerun season because they have Netflix and they don't know what it's like when there is absolutely nothing on TV that you haven't already seen a million times before. And some of us are stuck in rerun season in our life because we're just seeing the same things over and over and over again. And I want to promise you, you don't need anything to change out there. You just need God to step in here and change the channel of your life and show you a better future and show you a better hope and do a work in your heart so that what's projecting out of your life isn't the dysfunction of the world. It's the precious promises of God and his plans for your life. God has to change. I'm going to preach it. Thank you. God has to change the channel of your life. And so Paul put it this way. You ready for this? Paul tells us Colossians chapter 3, verses 1 through 4. He said, if, if then you have been raised with Christ, seek those things which are above, where Christ is, is seated at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things that are above, not on things that are on earth. Ready for this? One or two. One or two. Above or beneath, heaven or earth, what is the picture and the paradigm of your mind? Not on things that are on the earth, for you have died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. And when Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. And Paul is saying if any person is raised with Christ, and he's talking about baptism. Has anybody in this room ever been raised with Christ? Buried the old, came up to the new, risen with Jesus Christ. Listen, that's the day that we were supposed to bury the old us. That was the day that we were supposed to bury the old and get up with the new. That was the day that the earthly perception was supposed to get buried under the waters of baptism. And when we were raised, we were raised to newness of life, to be seated with Christ in heavenly places. And if you've been seated with Christ in heavenly places, why do we live like we're stuck in the world? Why do we live like we're stuck in the old? And what happens in, in, in our lives, especially in, in Christianity, is that we get raised with Christ and we think that our job is to escape the world so that we can get to heaven. Like somehow I've got to navigate this world. I've got to escape this world. And if I can escape and endure, that maybe someday I might get to heaven. And I want to tell you there's a heaven and we look forward to that and we anticipate that. But that is not the lens through which Paul gives us the way to view the world. He said, you are seated with Christ in heavenly places. In other words, our role in Christianity isn't to try, and even as a church, isn't to try to escape the world and get to heaven. Our job as Christians and as the church is to be seated with Christ in heavenly places, to stay in the earth and bring heaven down into the earth because that's what God has called us to do. Not to try to get there, but to try to get there to here. That's the mission of the church. That's the mission of every believer. We're not escapists. We're not trying to get out of the world. We're trying to bring heaven down into this world because we have Jesus Christ and the kingdom of God is a future event, but it's also a present reality. The kingdom of heaven is among us. It's here. It's both, it's both there and then, and it's also a present reality that Jesus brought heaven to earth. It's in the Lord's prayer. 
Your kingdom come, your will be done in heaven as it is in earth. Like that's that's the, the mission. And for so long, I think we've looked at trying to get out of the world and go to heaven. Awesome. But let's just bring heaven down to earth. Let's, let's, the world is revealed and heaven is concealed. It's the glory of kings and queens and God's royal family to search it out. To see it. To believe it. And how do you see the world? Do you live stuck in the world when you're supposed to be seated with Christ? Because what you're, what you're focused on, the things that you're zeroing in on, the number 13, evidently orange and black are colors that belong to the devil now. I didn't know that, but we have to let God know that. And what, what you're focused on, it's not a reflection of what you're seeing, it's a reflection of what's in here. And so what do you see? One or two? I, I didn't even come up with this illustration. This one got handed to me. And it came from a conversation. I want to preface it by saying I actually appreciated the conversation. It was honest. And the person was just being real. And, and I really appreciated their honesty. And the, the question, the discussion we were talking about tithing. They were just asking me about tithing. And they shared a struggle with me. And, and I appreciate that. The struggle was this. Was the amount of their tithe payment. They had done the math. And the amount of their tithe payment was also about the amount of the boat payment of the boat they wanted. <laughs> and I, I, I get it tithe or boat payment you ready for this one or two heaven or earth and here's the question which one do you believe will bless you which one do you believe will open the windows of heaven over your life because the, we, we're, we're faced like we're rolling into the weekend is, is the weekend about a day of recreation and, and it's just fun and it's all about you? Or do you roll into the weekend like this is a day that is set aside for purpose and service, that I'm going to be a part of something eternal, that I'm going to be a part of God's great earth, God's great kingdom on the earth, I'm going to be involved? Like what is it? Is it a day of recreation or is it a day of purpose? Which one do you think will fulfill you? Which one do you think will bring fulfillment into your life? Nothing, by the way, nothing against a boat, nothing against a day of recreation. It's just you got to see how your life is reflected in what you really believe. What about church? What about church? Uh, when you come to church, is church boring? Is church something that you're supposed to endure? Is church something that you're supposed to just check off of a religious box? Or do you roll into the house of God like it's Super Bowl Sunday every Sunday because the grave is still empty, the cross is still finished, that we still have eternal life, that we have abundant life? And I just want to tell you the reason why I believe in a loud church and a joyous church and a vibrant church isn't because church should be endured. It's because church should be enjoyed and it should be the biggest celebration on planet earth because we serve the king of kings and the lord of lords and there's an empty grave somewhere in the middle east that's been empty for 2,000 years and the throne of heaven is populated and heaven is among us that the kingdom of god is here that our god is alive and active and powerful and mighty and we roll into this place with expectation and anticipation because we believe that jesus is lord over every one of our circumstances and we're not here to just check off a religious box we're here to be a part of the kingdom of god expressed in the local Local church, that's the power of a projected vision of how you see the world. How do you see it? Because heaven is here. Hope is here. Provision is here. 
Grace is here. All of God's promises, you ready for this? All of God's promises are within reach. They're, they're all within reach. And the, the question is, why don't we see it? Why, why, why don't we see some things that we see it in the Bible, but we see other things? And in Matthew chapter 25, Jesus tells uh, a, a parable, and it's the parable of, of ten virgins, which if you're not a, a church person, it's just a weird way of saying bridesmaids. There, there were ten bridesmaids, and the story is of a, a bride who is going to get married to her groom, and it's, it's set in the Middle East 2,000 years ago. The wedding customs was a little bit different than ours today. It was a three-step process. Uh, the groom would, would spot a little, a little hottie uh, and, and would want to make her his wife, and so he wouldn't go to her. He would actually go to her dad, and they would work out a bridal price. And basically it would go like, I will give you X amount of livestock for your daughter. Very romantic. Very romantic. Um, and just if you're single, a single young man today, I just want to give you a pickup line. You see a, little, you see a little thing across the room and you're like, I want to go meet her um, after church today. Just go and be like, hey baby, you're worth at least 10 goats. Like, you're a, I'd give all my chickens for you. So they would, they would work out a, a bridal price. And then it would become legally binding, a little different than our engagements today. If you break up an engagement, the only question is what to do with the ring. This was a, a, a legal thing. So you were legally uh, engaged. And then the groom would go away to prepare a, a house for the bride. Go prepare a place. And if you know your Bible, you, you know I'm sp speaking some things when I say that. Um, and so they didn't know how long it would take. He would literally have to go build a house, like get ready for uh, life with his new bride. So he would go away. So that was the second part of it was the groom going away. And then the third part was the groom would come back unannounced, wouldn't know when he was coming back to receive his bride and would come. It could be in the middle of the night. And so the bridesmaids, the role of the bridesmaids was to anticipate and watch for the coming of the groom. And obviously the overarching narrative of the parable is the return of Jesus Christ. Because how many of you know Christ has gone away to prepare a place for us and that he's coming again? We believe in the second coming of Jesus Christ. But what I want to focus on isn't necessarily the, the return of Christ. I want to focus on the space of time and what Jesus taught us in the parable to do until the groom comes back. Because the whole parable is centered around there were five uh, of the bridesmaids who Jesus called wise because they, they didn't let their oil run out. And there were five who were foolish because they let the, they let the oil run out. And I want you to notice this, that the, the, the point of the parable isn't don't lose your lamp. Don't lose your lamp. Because we talked about it last week, vision is the lamp of your life. That the worldview, the eyes God set, gave you, the mind that God gave you, that's the lamp of your life. And why don't we see some things? Well, I just believe that maybe we don't need to, th we don't need to think about not losing our lamp because everybody's got a lamp. That's not the question. You ready for this? Here's the question. Do you have oil in your lamp? Do, do you have, and the oil is symbolic of the Holy Spirit. The natural man cannot see the things of God. But can I tell you, not only is Jesus coming, he's already been here. He's already paid the price and hope and healing are here. 
here, that God's presence is here, that all of God's goodness is here. And one of the reasons we don't see it, it's not because we don't have a lamp. It's just because we don't have oil in the lamp. And sometimes we just need God to come in and do a work in our hearts to illuminate some things so that we can see the great and precious promises of God in our lives. And many of us in this room, every person has a lamp. The only question is, do we have oil in the lamp to be able to see what it is that God's doing in the earth today? David, David writes the psalm, and I just love to fix perspective with the series. And the way that we fix it is with worship, and we're going to fill this room with worship this morning. Because what worship does is begins to focus us in on something. The, the, the further I move away from that podium, the smaller it gets. For many of us, we came in here spiritually, like distant from God. And he's seeming small and we're getting distracted and David seems big because that's where my focus is. But when I begin to put my heart and my focus on God, come on somebody, he starts to zero in my vision. God's, God's getting bigger and bigger. And it's, it's what happens when we worship. It's what happens when we focus on the things of God it begins to move us. And David just said it this way. I want you to see this. He said, the Lord is my light and my salvation. So why should I be afraid? The Lord is my fortress, protecting me from danger. So why should I tremble? When evil people come to devour me, when my enemies and foes attack me, they will stumble and fall. Though a mighty army surrounds me, my heart will not be afraid. Even if I'm attacked, I will remain confident. Even if my father and mother abandon me, the Lord will hold me close. How many of you, you can see what you want to see. Like there's, there's negativity in the world. There's all kinds of things in the world. But David said, the Lord is my light. I'm seeing the world through the light of the one who found me. He is my salvation. So he says this, verse 11, teach me how to live, O Lord. Lead me along the right path. How do we do that? Your word is a light into my path, a lamp into my, my path, and a light into my feet. For my enemies are waiting for me, and do not let me fall into their hands, for they accuse me of things I've never done. With every breath, they threaten me with violence. But watch this. This is what somebody needs to get in their heart today. Verse 13, he said, yet I am confident I will see the Lord's goodness here and now in the land of the living. How many of you know heaven is here and now? That God's goodness is here and now? That we just need the oil in the lamp so that we can see that it doesn't matter what's going on all around me, that people may forsake me, father and mother may abandon me, but my God will never forsake me. He will never leave me. He's gonna stand with me, that I'm gonna see the goodness of God in the land of the living, not just there and then. I'm gonna see it here and now because I've got a good father who's got good plans and I need to just get my eyes off of the things of the world and I need to set my mind on things above where Christ is seated because I'm not gonna stay stuck in the world when God's called me to be seated in heavenly places. Come on, give Jesus some praise in the room. Just, just, just remain standing with me for a moment. I want to I lead us all collectively in a prayer today. And then maybe you, you walked into the room and maybe if you were honest, and listen, I, I hope we can be honest because my prayer can't always control this but my prayer is that that when you stepped onto this property that you stepped on to the most grace-filled place on planet earth that, that you're never going to find any more grace than you're going to find right here 
Maybe, maybe today you walked in and your world is dark. And maybe today I could lead you in a prayer that would just direct your eyes to the light of the world, Jesus Christ. Maybe you've never prayed a prayer to receive Christ. Or maybe you have, and it doesn't matter why, but maybe, maybe your heart's gone dark to the things of God. And you're, you're living in a place of spiritual darkness. Your eyes are closed. Today, I wanna to give someone an opportunity to see the light of the world, Jesus Christ, to receive Christ. Or maybe for you, this is a moment to come back home. All across this room, I'm gonna, I'm gonna pray the prayer. I'm gonna give you the words. You're gonna repeat the prayer after me, but I want, these, I want these words to come from your heart because at the end of the day, I don't want just to, you to repeat a prayer. I want the light of heaven to, to flood your heart. Because Life family, would you just pray this prayer with me so loud for the person on your left and on your right? Because we don't know in this room who at this moment is meeting Jesus Christ, maybe for the very first time. Because Life family, would you just say this prayer? Say, Lord Jesus, I receive you now. Come into my heart. Come into my life. Forgive me of my sin. Wash away my past. Make me a new person. Today I change course. I will follow your path. I will walk in your ways. I declare that you are my leader and you are my Lord. And I will never be the same. Make it a declaration. I will never be the same. I will never be the same in Jesus' name. Come on, let's give God some praise in the room right now. Thank you for being with us on the podcast today. And a great big thank you to all of those who financially support the ministry of Coast Life Church. Your generosity is helping us and resourcing us to bring God's word into people's hearts and lives. And if you've never given and would like to, you can go to mycoastlifechurch.com forward slash give. And just know that you're resourcing and equipping us to bring the encouragement of God's word into people's lives. Another way that you can make a difference is by simply hitting the subscribe button. Just know that means so much to us to know that you're leaning in to the Word of God. And a great big thing that you can do is hit the share button. Let other people know that there is encouragement and God's Word is there to resource them because we're here just to lead people into abundant life in Christ so they can experience life on top of life on top of life. God bless you.